From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 141, and today I'm joined by Patrick Haggerty. He's a short filmmaker who's made such films as the recent Home in Time, but he also produced a film called The Day That Santa Didn't Come, which is a Christmas movie, and we get into that a bit here. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, we're sitting down to watch Miracle on 34th Street. I'm Jeremy. I have never seen this movie. I uh, confess, I absolutely forgot what we were watching until oh! I just said it. And this is Patrick. <laughs> Hi. Uh, Patrick Haggerty. You totally forgot. But you knew it was a Christmas movie? Well, we had discussed like one of two old black and white Christmas movies, and I kind of what forgot. What was the other one we discussed? Ah, uh, there was another. Well, I don't know. I said there was two. There was this one, and then. I think you mentioned It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. It's but a, I, I did that two years ago with Kevin okay. Crick, so you can check out that episode. I hadn't seen that or, or this one, Miracle on. 34th Street? I keep, I, I always, sometimes I mix up which street it is. I'm like, Miracle 42nd? <laughs> it's totally 34th. I checked before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I think when you and I were chatting about it last week, I, was, I just confirmed, I'm like, we're watching the original, right? And then you were like, there's a fucking remake? Yeah. All I know about the remake is that Richard Attenborough is in it. And I think the girl that played Matilda, who was also in Mrs. Doubtfire, I can't remember her name. In the remake. Yeah, okay. like she was a child actor and didn't grow up to continue on with that. I think I in yeah. read in one of those like art where are they now articles that she went on to become like a lawyer of some kind. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, just just so you know, like those two movies, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life or a miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. If you told me, if you like, told me the wrong plot for the other movie, I, like I'd probably totally like believe you. I just don't. Well, I, that's I, I what I was in my head. Like, what do you know about this movie? Almost nothing. Is it black and white? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's either 19... And I don't want to look it up yet because I don't want to look up anything. Uh, yeah. It's either 1947 or 1950 or 55. Yeah. It's in that era. I want to say... We'll, we'll look it up after. Uh, I, th- I, I know the vaguest things about the plot, but I won't say anything... Because I don't want to ruin anything for you. I have no idea. I'm, I'm sure when I'm watching it, you'll recognize things and, and, and yeah. hear probably lines well, that are... I think I know what the story is. Yeah. The, the, the vaguest term, like the log line kind of thing. Uh, but that's only from having seen the trailer at some point for the remake. Yeah. In which case, I assume it's a similar story. It's just, it's one of those things where like, I'm, I'm, I'm a cinephile and I don't always shy away from old movies, but I just always, even, even as a kid, would gravitate towards more colorful things or newer movies. Like I didn't... That this movie was probably on every every year, like on different channels around Christmas. But I'd I'd keep flipping and look for Rudolph or you yeah. know what I mean. Or I was say, what are your go to Christmas movies? Scrooge. 
Scrooge, right? Same. Yeah. <laughs> Scrooge is my absolute favorite. Anyone who listens to the podcast, I we did Scrooge last year. Yeah, uh, I found someone who hadn't seen it, and I think this will be the first year that my son's old enough to maybe watch it and appreciate uh, it. So we're gonna have a Scrooge. I always watch it every year. It's it's a little, little edgy as far as uh, Christmas movies go. Yeah, I used to have um, a VHS tape of it taped off of TV, which is the first way I saw it. Yeah, and so. I knew the TV edit version of it, which was uh. missing some scenes, and I also had edited some stuff for content. And so I had that tape, and that's like a tape that I brought with me everywhere whenever I moved that I always had it. <laughs> and then one year, like, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, we were at the our family farm, my, my wife's farm for Christmas, and we didn't, and I forgot they didn't have a VHS player. I brought it with me, and I was like, oh, there's no VHS player at the farm, it's just a DVD player. And I hadn't upgraded. For some reason, I had never gotten around upgrading Scrooge, even though it was a movie I watched for sure every year. <laughs> yeah. Probably because of my, I got my tape. Like, I even had those commercials memorized. Yeah, that's, right? that's crazy. And so I scoured. I, had, I drove around for like an hour and a half in Kitchener looking for some place that had a, a DVD copy of Scrooge and finally found one. Yeah, yeah, and now I have that, so I can watch that every year. Awesome. But the first time I watched it, it blew my mind because I'm like, what, is, what are these scenes? What is this scene? This scene's not in the movie. Oh, yeah. Because I... So you've seen it like 30 times. I'd seen the, the TV edit, so they, they cut it for time, right? Yeah. You've and seen that so, so many times, and then you finally saw the, the proper edit. Yeah, and I had the same experience with Goonies. It's like I had only oh. seen it off of TV, and so when I finally, as an adult, uh, bought the Blu-ray box set, it was like, it was the first time I'd seen it. Isn't there like a whole scene where they, they fight that sea monster? An octopus. That's like there, in sw- one version, not in another version. I swear there's a couple of different TV versions with different edits. Because mm. there's also, I remember there wasn't the stuff in the country club where all the waters and pipes were going all haywire. Oh, yeah. I swear to God there's a scene where they stop at a convenience store on their bikes on the way to the Fratelli's hideout. I love talking about Goonies, but I think we're straying far from We're certainly straying. Movie. We've strayed really far from Christmas. Okay, so your go-tos are Scrooge. What else? Uh, I do love Elf. For like oh, Elf modern, is amazing. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. For like a, mo- a modern classic, for sure. Christmas yeah, classic. a friend of mine and I, for a good solid eight years, uh, between high school and like the time we graduated, our tradition was on Christmas Eve, he and I would go see a matinee, and we'd sneak in like a carton of eggnog each. And just like snacks, and we just sit there and drink a carton of eggnog. Which to me now, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? That's a lot of eggnog. Yeah, so we, you uh, can deal with it when you're young. Yeah, we were younger, so that was our. And then one of the movies we saw one year was Elf. Yeah, and it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm probably too old to admit how much I love this movie. It's undeniably funny. It's so good. Yeah, Bob Newhart, and like it's it's also really sweet. Just everything. It's got it's <laughs> got the old that that style of animation. Burl Ives. Yeah. It's just got all the, it the hits charm. All, it hits all the heartstrings. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that. The kids love that too. They're they're right into uh, vacation, Christmas vacation, Christmas vacation, of course. And uh, of course, Home Alone is is a staple in our house now. Yeah, all those. <laughs> and Muppets Christmas Carol for me is is a must watch every year. Yeah, I could watch any Muppets would probably do for me. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, all right, well, without further ado then, let's just get into it, because let's. then we can talk proper, because we don't know shit. 
I don't know. I'm just on my, I'm, I'm sort of racking my brain as the images. And so I was just thinking like miracle that I think, I think there's like a kid and a Santa Claus and I don't know. I, I just, those are, those are things that I think I know too. Yeah. So we're, we're <laughs> really, on really big. Yeah. All right. We'll be back. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. So we just finished. And it's a wonderful life it was fantastic. <laughs> That's not the movie. <laughs> oh my God. That was a delight and a half. Yeah. Um, we were just giggling all the way through. I called it adorable. Yeah. Your word was delightful. Yeah. Oh. It's like a box of chocolates. Fantastic. Just so much. And I, I loved, I mean, so, okay. I, so what did you think it was about? Did you have any sense? Just even just at the, when we were talking previously, I just started thinking about like, what do I know about this movie? And I just had images of like a little girl in Santa Claus. That was it. It was all very vague, but a girl like believing in Santa Claus. And then that's all I knew. But the movie actually surprised me in, in several ways. But one of them was, I think it's actually fairly sophisticated in in a certain way that, uh, that I, like I, I assumed going in that that was Santa Claus. Yeah. It was definitely Santa Claus. Well, from the get-go, the first thing you meet about the guy is that the reindeer are wrong. And he's very yeah. specific about why. But I just thought it was that kind of movie where, like, okay, here's the magic. This yeah, is Santa yeah, Claus. Yeah. People don't believe he's Santa Claus. And everyone's going to realize, is. yeah. And then, like, halfway through, I started thinking, like, oh, maybe he's not actually Santa Claus. Maybe he's just... A crazy person. Maybe he is delusional, but he's just so lovely and nice. That nobody and then, cares. And then I expected to see some... Pr- they never show you proof. I love that. And the movies, act, they talk, the movie's actually about faith. That's what was amazing about it to me. I was expecting the ending, yeah, to be like more like, you know, I think the bad version of this ending, not the bad version, just the typical version of this ending, would be you see him flying off in the sleigh. Yeah. I expected something like that. Something and everyone, magical. There's because, nothing... No, because in any other movie, you look at, like, you know, Elf or this or that. It's just like mm-hmm. he can show... You know, Elf ends with him in the... Because Elf, Elf is a similar story, although it's about an elf trying to make people believe that he's actually who he says he is. You know? And at the end, it literally... New York City is saved the Christmas period because they actually see Santa Claus. Yeah. In fact, Elf is the bullshit version of this movie <laughs> because those people only believe it because they it's saw not. proof. Yeah. Well, this movie is like this is the, like a, it's like an actually it looks like an analog to like religion or God, like God. You know what I mean? There's no evidence, but you, you just need to have faith, and they don't, they don't even show it to you. Which yeah. Is, and there is magic in the movie, but it's actually just done by the people by kindness, right? Yeah. It's, like all kindness is just real. And all the magic is just real. And the laziness of the New York City to post, part, post office. <laughs> but it's, it's that letter that sh- the little girl sends that triggers it. Yeah. Right? It's the letter that Susie sends that makes gives the guy the idea. But there's other, other things, too, just like like that spirit was contagious. His spirit was contagious. And even even just that thing he was doing at, at Macy's that spread from the, that sort of anti-consumerism idea, right? That they started uh, sending to other people other stores, and then other stores did that. And they had, a spite. they had a cynical sort of side to it, but it... But it was still the road, to, you know, but it's still like the, the good intentions came at one over the bad intentions, even though that the store owners were doing it because uh, they, for profit, mm-hmm. they, and then they, they don't hide that in the movie either. It's not like the store owners suddenly are like, you know what, this is a good thing to do. They're like, 
fuck it, we'll do it and we'll get more profit than ever. You know, they see the good in it and then they, th- they, don't, they don't become altruistic, yeah. which is great too. It's like, I feel like there's a, there's a lot of nuance to this movie that you're not expecting because there is those moments like when the guy calls the, the prosecutor's own son up on the trial, you're like, what a cutesy moment, but it's also a really smart thing. Like, what the fuck is that guy going to do? But it was hysterical. We were laughing out loud. It was like that kid was like straight out of the Little Rascals. He was really yeah. cute. Like that's just it. Like this movie has it's it's 1947, and it really rides that line. It has that classical kind of big movie, like His Girl Friday, kind of that. But there's also this like real groundedness to it. Yeah, I mean, but it was it. You know what I really liked too was that it was it was all very sweet in so many ways, but it. Uh, um, but not overly so. Like, it was still clever. Yeah. Um, I, I knew that, I think, what I thought the movie was about was what it was about. I, I was pretty sure it was about some guy who was on trial for being Santa Claus. I, I, yeah, I did not expect them to leave it so mysterious. Like, I I, I was bumping on some logic. Like What do you think? Thinking, With, is he Santa Claus? <sighs> well, I was thinking towards the end that maybe he's not, but then... That house is a really big coincidence. Like that's that's the biggest piece of like. But also, she saw that house in a magazine, so there's no reason to say that magazine she saw wasn't like a real estate magazine, right? He gave them the directions, and they he just he did some research. That's that's what's here's the thing. That's what's beautiful in the movie is I think you could I think based on what you want to believe in. Whether you have faith or not, Patrick, (laughs) you could argue either side is true. An argument for both. Yeah, and I I think that's what. That's kind of the point of the movie. Did not expect them to leave that open. So fucking good. Well, I, see, I wonder if the new version does that too. Probably. I think that's like the. A big oh, strength. You, a, if, I think it's a big strength of the movie. Yeah. If you don't whole, do that, that you did a shitty version of the story. Well, I think it's a whole thesis of the movie is, is faith, right? Yeah, belief. And, and I think that the way they present it, it requires faith. That's kind of the whole point. Um, I mean, I, I, I was bumping on... Well, I mean, the, here's, the, here's the beauty of it. Even though like, the New York City you know, post office is giving over the letters because they're being lazy, the letter only came because Susie finally believed in something. She only wrote that letter because she believed in him for the first time. So it was Susie's belief mm-hmm. that triggered the uh, ending. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. Because, She's the linchpin, right? Because her... Uh, letter was addressed to him at the courthouse. Yeah, the other kids weren't. I mean, but if so she didn't believe weird. in him, she never would have sent the letter. But there and were like fifty thousand other letters. That, think. But the letter is what triggered the guy's idea. Yeah, because otherwise they're the they're just rot. But otherwise they're just rotting in the in yeah. the in the dead room or whatever you call it. But I think it's like I don't know. I mean, they talked about it. They didn't necessarily show it that much. But I think a lot of the city got caught up in the uh, oh for in the sure. moment of like oh Santa Claus is on trial. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, for sure. The public, public opinion is like, yeah. do it. Like, whether or not you think he's crazy, let him off. Yeah. You know. But the beauty was was that it was Susie's action that gave the authoritative proof that they needed. The little girl that that found her. Yeah, that didn't believe in fantasies. Yeah, believe, turn, uh, believed in something. delightful. Just I, that's exactly what you want. Oh man, I and I because here's the thing. And even though we talked about how much we love the movie Elf, here here's a, a, a pet peeve I have with, with Christmas movies wherein Santa Claus is a real character. And that's why I love how this movie just dances it. Fuck, I want to show my kids this movie. I think they would get a kick out of this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's, 
Um, but the thing that bothers me about Christmas movies where Santa Claus is a real character is that there's always those characters that don't believe, like there's the parents or whoever, they're like, there's no such thing as Santa Claus. And they know that because, uh, you know, they're the ones that have been buying presents or doing whatever, right? All those years. Uh, and so then what is the law? Lo- and they never, I've never seen a Christmas movie explain that logic of why those parents in the end now believe in Santa Claus because they have proof, but suddenly go, wait a minute, where did all those, it's not like, Every Christmas morning, new presents show up. Yeah. And I don't know where they came from. So you're saying if they exist in a world where Santa Claus does exist, because we find out in that movie that it does exist, how did they never believe? Because if Santa Claus does exist, presents would have been showing up that they didn't buy. Yeah. The Unless, the only thing I can think of is that, and then this would work for me if some movie just did this. Yeah. Where they said that Santa Claus has this magic where he makes you believe you've bought presents. Uh, okay, yeah. Because okay. if you don't believe, you... Again, it comes down to belief. It's the same theme as this movie. Yeah. I would buy that. But nobody's ever done that. No. Anyway, that's just one small pet no, peeve I have. Well, you know, we're getting I let, That I let go because I want to believe in the, in the goodness of yeah. it. But that's what I love about this. I love that because that's the other thing, too, is like I'm always terrified to show my kids... Christmas movies were in there. They're dancing the line about Santa Claus because mm-hmm. uh, my son's ten. And he's still he he he's, he as far as I know believes. He hasn't let any indication that he doesn't. And even like I showed him Gremlins, and there's that scene where she talks about how she found out that there's no Santa Claus because of the suicide, right? I know. Yeah, Phoebe, Phoebe Cates. I haven't seen Gremlins in twenty years. So. <laughs> anyway, her dad died like pretending to be Santa Claus and going down the oh chimney. My God. And that's and that's how she found out there was no Santa Claus. Jeez. Oh, and and even when my son watched that, I was like, oh fuck, I forever that moment. And I looked at him and I was like, hey. And he just looked at me. He's like, it's a movie. Movie is. Bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, amazing. <laughs> amazing. It's protecting his own belief. Yeah, good for you. Uh, but what I loved about this is that dances that line beautifully where it's just like, there's no... Like, my daughter would watch this movie and be like, without a doubt, that guy's Santa Claus. From the get-go, she'd believe that guy is Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, I I made a short film a few years back, uh, a, a, Christmas, a Christmas short. Uh, my best friend Curtis Harrison wrote it and it was about a true story from his, his youth uh, where uh, his um, his parents got... Yeah, Tara, Tara's in it, right? Tara Spencer Nairn? Yeah. yeah, so his parents get... Yeah, Tara Spencer Nairn plays his mom. And so his parents get too wasted on Christmas Eve and forget to put the presents out. So cute little adorable Curtis uh, comes down in the Christmas morning and there's no presents and he swears and anyway freaks out and he, he feels bad like he did something wrong and he he goes to do all these things to change things around so Santa will bring him his presents but you know at the so at the end of the short you know we had the scene where and I, I did some uh I, I did this uh as a writer I did some passes on it just editing on it and we changed some things around and uh you know we we had one point where I wanted to show like the parents pulling him out of the closet at the end Remember the ending? I remember like, and he, I remember he sent me a note back about the ending. He's like, yeah, we, like I made some changes. He's like, yeah, it's all great. But he made sure to, cause he's got a kid. He made sure to like protect it at the end so that we didn't, in the film, we didn't blow the, like the, blow the, the, the mystery. Yeah. There's a Santa Claus. And it didn't occur to me. 
But like, I just, I just it occurred to me because I don't have kids. I'm not, I haven't been around kids, but I just like, oh yeah, the parents, you just, you just see that it's the parents. And he's like, no, we gotta, we gotta protect the, the mystery. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Which like, and it was just like a little fix just to be like, oh, okay. Like at the end, there's a line going like, oh, Santa, put him in the closet. The dad's like, oh, Santa, just put him in the closet. He played a trick on us. And they pulled the presents out of the closet and put him down under the tree. And I thought it's, I thought it was great. And it's important. And it reminded me of like what they're all doing in the courtroom, right? When like the, the prosecutor's kid comes up and um, he's like, yeah, you can't argue it in front of his kid. And the, you know, and the judge too, the judge is like, what are you going to pronounce? Like for the whole city, the Santa Claus doesn't exist. Yeah. And P and the PR, the judge's PR guy is just like, yeah. look, it's like, you got to fucking make it work, man. So you yeah. think of all the people that are going to be pissed off if, 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 if the, you know, the Supreme Court judge in New York City declares there's no such thing as Santa Claus or that this man is not Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's much, much safer just to, just to, yeah, let him exist. Um, I found myself through, I get, anyway, I think it was funny at the beginning where I just assumed like, oh, this is going to be Santa Claus. This is a real magical Santa Claus. Yeah. I didn't expect that doubt to come in and still have that doubt, but I found myself bumping on a bit of logic from what we know from other Christmas movies. Like, I'm like, well, why is Santa Claus just walk, like wandering around New York? And then he says, well, he's researching toys and stuff. I'm like, okay, maybe that's Well, he it. said that he, for the last 50 years, he'd been starting to doubt humanity's, you know, intentions and belief. And so he wanted to spend time amongst the people. Building belief. Building belief again. Uh, so he needed that. So that's what's also great about the movie, too, because we were talking about um, during the movie that it's like, it's Christmas Eve. He sure isn't feeling yeah. a lot of pressure to get back. But if Santa Claus believes that he'll get off, why would he be freaking out? Well, I guess, and then I'm, I'm trying to think, I guess, too, about this. But it also I, helps us ride that line. Like, even when they're like, hey, come with us tonight to this thing. He's like, well, it's Christmas Eve, I can't come. And she's like, oh, right. There's a wink to her. Yeah, yeah. But... As an audience, you're like, well, maybe he can't. But then he's available the next morning, I guess. I I, I found myself thinking about the whole, the myth, the legend of Santa. Of Santa and and so the whole mythos around him, like, that we know from Christmas movies since then growing up. And I was trying to think of, like, what, what everybody understood Santa to be at that time. Because, like, maybe what we know, like, from, say, the movie Elf, as an example, or Rudolph, or where yeah. he lives up in the North Pole and has elves and they have a toy workshop and reindeer. Like, was that all a thing back then? I guess it, I guess. Right. What's the history been, of that you know, point like, in 1947? It's now, you know, what is it? 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Like one of those Rudolph cartoons come out. That was like was later in color. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know, but no. it, it, it'd be interesting to look that up and think about that. Because maybe back then Santa was just like very magical and he like, so this guy could be Santa because once he got off that trial on Christmas Eve, he could still go magic away and deliver all Christmas toys around ah, the world. And then the next day, been, Santa Claus knows what he's doing. He's the elves here. Got it on lockdown. It's like, yeah, he just needs to show up and drive the sleigh. <laughs> they, they're making presents. He's sending back <laughs> Intel. Are you questioning Santa Claus's ability to be in two places at once? Yeah. The man delivers to the entire world in one night. Then he can't just hop on back to the North Pole and check in. Every now and then? Yeah. I don't think he needs to sleep. 
I'm sure as soon as like the lawyer, but whatever his name is, he passed yeah. out. He hopped out, went down to the North Pole for a couple hours, made yeah. sure things were tip top, and got the fuck back to New York City. Well, see, what's funny, like throughout the movie, I found myself like thinking about those points of logic, but then towards the end, I was just so delighted by the fact that they never. Then, yeah, we never had that moment where you, but see, we couldn't. You, you see the sleigh like in the sky, and like we know it's real. It's like, I, yeah, I love that they kept that mysterious. Yeah, they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. And that, and that's what I was thinking too. It's like we made that. You made that comment about how it's like you know he hasn't been back to the fucking North Pole in a month. Uh, but you know, and like I said, maybe he has been. Maybe he uh, he snuck off. We didn't see it. You know, we're not with him for every scene. Sure. Uh, but also, yeah, what a what a. It would not have been as rich of a movie. If uh, you saw any definitive proof either way, yeah, it would have been. Uh, although you know what, I would have, I would have been okay if the ending was that we, the audience, got like the rosebud of proof where we're like, oh no, he was, he is crazy. As long as everyone else believed, I'd be fine with that ending. Yeah, but if I got an ending where he's in a sled and I see a fucking elf and a flying oh, yeah, reindeer, cheap, cheap in the that would have pissed me off. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was just hoping. I was sitting there hoping, like, please, 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 and and it did. It ended with a, a crutch in the corner, just like Tiny Tim. Got a little Scrooge going on there too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just I want to I guess say a word about the filmmaking too, which I also found delightful. Like I, I think when I was young, and even like I don't know, even even these days, like I I do shy away from old films. I just I, I guess I always as a default think they're going to feel dated or less sophisticated or, uh, uh, slow moving. Um, but I, you know, we've, I've watched, I've come and watched a few with you and like, and, and this one in particular, like I didn't, I didn't feel that. I, I actually really enjoyed the image. It moves. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it moves. There's never like I, well, we, you know, we try to share a few observations through the movie, but I, I, I there yeah, was, you notice the oneers. There's no, yeah, but there's barely any dead space between dialogue to actually talk. It's like it moves. It moves. Yeah. There's not... Um, but, um, yeah, there is some scenes are very... It, the, the filmmaking was simple but elegant. And the performers were all really strong, even the kids. Uh, it's just tight. It's like... It's it's in New York. It's like I get the sense that like these actors are like probably Broadway theater actors. That's just it. It's, they're it's, just tight. It was cinematic, all. but it wasn't showy-offy in a way that was like kind of off-putting. It was just really, really delightful. Like, there was that great, um, rear, rear, when rear projection yeah. shot in, yeah. uh, when they're in the apartments mm-hmm. and they're looking through, like, they're looking through, like, two apartments and there's the rear yeah, projection of the, of the street. It was great. And, and I think, and for a second, I think we were both fooled going, what a great shot of depth. And it's like, oh, no, that has to be rear projection. There's no way they shot that. Yeah, I think it's because right before that, we were seeing the big street scenes of the, this Macy's Day Parade. And maybe they just actually shot it during the Macy's Day Parade where they staged it. But I, I just, I find it marvelous. I really enjoy it in, in these old movies oh, where you see it. she was in. I was looking up the mom. Uh, her yeah. name is uh, uh, Marina O'Hara. The, 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 oh, she just died recently. It's just 2015. Um, the other big thing she was in, she was the mom in The Parent Trap. I was like, oh, I knew cool. I recognized her or something. Her else. hair was wild. Yeah, well, she <laughs> was like, she reminded. Oh, she was also uh, only lonely. Oh yeah, she's been around. She's done some yeah. stuff. She uh, she reminded me of like a uh, uh, the Der- the Deborah Messing of that time. Yeah, and the child in it was uh, Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood, yeah. The big Jake. Oh, she had a career. She was amazing. She was adorable. Yeah, delightful. And the guy. Now I want to look up him. 
Um, Edmund Gwen, who played Chris Kringle. Oh, he was delightful. phenomenal. Yeah, Fantastic. phenomenal that guy. What else did he do? Probably, did, I think you're right. Just a lot of uh, probably a Broadway star, but he was just charming as the day is long. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. like the movie works because you believe in him. Well, he had a twinkle in his eye. Yeah, he was. It's <laughs> great casting. That's just it. Like, just super delightful. Not and like the movie should have felt way cheesier mm-hmm. than it was, but it really just had this amazing. Yeah, like, I'm not really. I'm just go, going through his filmography, and I'm not. Oh, The Devil and Mrs. Jones, but I'm not noticing foreign foreign correspondence. Or he did some Hitchcock. Yeah, it was a schmaltzy. Like I feel, I feel too. Like it was actually it was earnest, progressive for its time. I mean, she was, she was a a woman that had an important job at the company that ran the parade. Single mom divorced when like along like what in the thirties she was divorced. No, earlier in the forties. Had, she was divorced. You know, I mean, she did raise a kid that was dead inside at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Not dead inside. But oh, come on. That little girl was kind of dead inside. Okay. A little bit. Yeah. The movie hinges on her not becoming dead inside by the end. She was raising like a little adult who was... You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but not in a way that felt like overbearing either. It's like also in a way that it's like, yeah, I get that. It's like you're a single mom in 1947 who has a great job. You work your... You have... Nobody gave you anything. I was a little lost with the relationship with the, the lawyer. The, or the I, I, I barely... I, I don't even know if boyfriend is right because I didn't... Well, they became... I think there's a lot of stuff you're just supposed to assume happens in the meantime. Like, there were neighbors that are just hanging they were, out? There were something? neighbors, and I think he helped out with the kid. But I think in that opening scene, it was very clear that he had his eyes on her. Yeah. Uh, and he made that known. And then just gradually... At one point, they mentioned, oh, I got a table at our favorite place. It's like, okay, so they've been on dates since. Yeah. We just didn't get all that stuff. Again, the movie's being efficient. So we don't need yeah. to see that stuff. Like that's all I needed. But I think uh, maybe that maybe that's something that's kind of dated too. Like maybe that the, the way people have relationships like that was. Well, just, it's written like a play. It's like that kind of stuff. Yeah. You don't. You can't afford to. You know, the, the plays are one set. So it's like they got. You're not going to go to a restaurant set all of a sudden. It's like I'll believe them that they went on dates. Oh yeah, I know. Sure. Um, yeah. The other thing, what was I going to say? The, the one character who was like, was the doctor not like the, the doctor that was his friend that wanted the X-ray machine. That yeah. was a random thing. Like he just showed yeah. up out of nowhere. And I believed I, I, in him. I, I thought I, I, I had my initial understanding was like, oh, he was like at a home before, like or institutionalized before, and he was the doctor there. It was or, very confusing. I, I didn't quite, yeah, I didn't quite get where that. That was that was a bit. That feels like there was a scene that was missing. But I, but I was also like, I was really moved. I was I moved was, by the end when he gave him the X-ray machine. Like <laughs> that's it was so beautiful. And he all got in trouble over the whole thing because uh, is it Albert? Albert was the young guy. The, the young Santa Claus? Yeah. Whose only crime was overeating? Oh, because the quote-unquote psychologist... Oh, yeah, he's fat-shaming the Albert. He fat-shamed Albert! <laughs> Santa Claus fat-shamed a kid. Well, that wasn't a thing in 47. You know, was just... Apparently not. And, and Santa Claus had his own padding. Yeah, yeah. And that's just, that was just fine. Just a... Delightful. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it all came down to. Like, he smacked the guy on the top of the head because he... Uh, he was trying to give like, uh, but that was a great scene too. Just like him going in and defending this kid, going, "You are not a psychiatrist. You don't get to tell this kid who he is." Yeah. Oh, yeah. delightful. Man, like make him hate his father. <laughs> yeah. Well, he even says him. he says you told me I hated my father. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. Who's to me? Told me. <laughs> oh. There, yeah. It just goes on and on. It's like Susie's delightful as hell, even though she's a bit of a. 
a bit of a piece of work that one wanting a house. Oh, the kid, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, at the same time, you got to ask for something big. That's something that you as the audience goes, how the hell is he going to give her a house? And the yeah. way they do it, brilliant. Yeah. Where it's just like, no, they're going to buy the house themselves, but they wouldn't have come across it. Yeah, it's not So like, smart. It's not like he got a pile of money from Mr. Macy and then bought it for them. You know, it wasn't something convenient. It was... Yeah, they had to do it themselves, and he just led them to it. Yeah, he set up the circumstances for which they could buy the house. Yeah. Because it's there. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the... I, I I have no words. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of flummoxed by how much I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And how much I... Uh, I'm pretty sure I will, uh, I will rewatch that again over the holidays with my kids. Yeah, it was just so... And I think I actually have the remake on DVD somewhere because I Hmm. feel like my mother-in-law bought a copy of it at some point. Uh, But I didn't want to ever watch it until I'd seen the original. So I feel like it's somewhere... What what era was that from? It's in the 90s. I want to say it's 94. It's uh, It's like a TV movie or do they... No, no, that was theatrical. It looks like there's been a couple TV uh, remakes of it. I guess because I never saw the original, I, I was never interested in them. It's, uh, oh, what the hell, hell of a cast. It's Richard Attenborough as Chris Kringle, Elizabeth Perkins <laughs> as uh, Doris, Dylan McDermott plays the uh, Brian Bedford, who I assume huh. is the lawyer, J.T. Walsh, I assume he's he plays an asshole in the movie. <laughs> he always did that quite well. We got James Remar is in it. Hell of a cast. Mar- and Mara Wilson plays... Uh, Mara Wilson, yeah. Susie, that's who it was. Mara Keith. Wilson. But there's been... It looks like they also uh, had some remakes. Hmm. Some TV remakes. There was even one in 19... Oh, there's... No, that's not it. 73, there was a TV movie version. Uh, I'm sure that's not great. Don't even know the cast. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I'm kind of. Oh, 1959. There was a there was a TV version as well. Why bother? I'm, the original is great. <laughs> it's so great. I'm curious. I'm kind of curious to check out uh, to check out the remake though, especially if I have a copy of it. I might as well pop it in one day. Yeah. For giggles, but uh, man, that was a delightful movie. It was a delight. I, I you know I just I, I just I don't know why I'm always surprised that I enjoy the filmmaking too. I don't know why I have that weird bias. No, but it, um, it was beautiful. It's like it's you know it's it's four three, so it's not the most cinematic uh, scope, but also it felt like they packed the frame and it was it was cinematic. Yeah, you know the staging of it was really simple and clever. It wasn't overly showy. It was. I, I feel like the filmmaking was just strong, even though some scene, simple scenes were just like we're a winner, and you know. There wasn't coverage. People were like, you see people in profile, and that's fine. You like, you get it. It tells the story, and it's, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. So, uh, have you ever thought about taking your your short and expanding it? Because that's 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 a concept you can get away with as a feature. Oh, the Christmas one. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the short was condensed from a feature script. Curtis, uh, wrote, okay. Curtis wrote many different. It was in many stages of development for a long time, and he wrote different. Iterations. Versions of it. Yeah, different people come on board and he'd, he'd make a... Because it was... The true version was pretty edgy. Uh, you know, and then uh, he'd... Other people would come on board and be like, well, can you make a Disney version, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A version. So 
they have all these different versions, but. But I like that. Especially, I, mean, I, th- I think the trick is like even like you know you look at something like something like Bad Santa. It's like that's a movie that's just full of heart, even though it's filthy. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of the trick to a movie like that. Or, like, or even something like Christmas Vacation. It's like it's uh, it's great. It's got a lot of heart and it's very funny, but it's it's raunchy as well, like parts as well. And Scrooge, Scrooge has a, is a real oh, yeah. darkness to it too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Bill Murray is phenomenal, but then you get that that bit at the end where he's just like talking to the the audience and it's just you're one right over like his speech at the end is one of the all-time great bill murray bill Murray's moments just, he's just a force of nature he's just so bloody likable and funny and yeah but also like you believe it's funny like just watching that speech it's like because he is that kind of guy that also just seems kind of like nonchalant like nothing phases him either so like that's what gets me with that speech of his and that because he is such like not a dour character, but he plays like the guy that just kind of doesn't give a shit. Yeah, too cool for school. Too cool for school. So it's like that's like his most earnest ever. Mm-hmm. That that moment at the end of Scrooge where he just kind of lets himself go, and that's where it's like this is maybe your finest moment as an actor, just in in a, in a different way. Like he's been in, he's had great performances in so many things, especially as of the last like ten years or so. Yeah, but it's like. In terms of his like pure comedy, is that there's something so unique and special about the ending of that movie that just blows my mind every time. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really have much more to say. Do you have any uh, any final thoughts? I think we said a lot. I, I uh, can't believe I've never seen it, and uh, I'm glad I did. Uh, it was yeah, it was just an absolute delight. Yeah, and it's interesting too because a lot of times you watch these these older versions and you're like, oh, I'd love to watch the remake because I'm sure it's kind of like faster and and you know cuts to the chase. Where this is like you said, it's like this is paced. There there isn't a wasted beat in this movie. No, and, and uh, well, I mean, naively, I, I I enjoyed it maybe more than I suspected that I would. Same surprised by it. Oh, I went in with but, kind of like medium expectations. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's obviously the reason why it's a classic, right? <laughs> and why it's been remade so many times, because it's clearly resonates. Because it's great. Yeah. It really is great. Yeah, it's a good story. All right, well, well, happy holidays to yeah. you. Merry Christmas. Uh, I think the timing works out. This is going to drop on Christmas Eve. Yay. So also, uh, happy holidays to all of you, whether you celebrate uh, Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa. We got a Hanukkah movie this year, so if you uh, if you celebrate that, and uh, you can go back, we watched the Hebrew Hammer. That would have been uh, last week's episode, I believe. If the order of this stays the same, I've never even heard of the Hebrew Hebrew. <laughs> oh, it's it's phenomenal and flawed in many ways. Yeah, uh, but but charming, but charming in his own way. Well, I hope Santa's very good to everyone. Yeah, uh, or you got the right coal that you deserved. <laughs> Uh, So happy holidays, and we'll see you back at Black Hole Films in the new year. Peace. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for joining us for Miracle on 34th Street. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby.